0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is The Property Show and I'm Mark Tan. Earlier this year, the government announced that it will review the terms and conditions for the MM2H scheme following the reports of a 90% drop in applicants because of the strict requirements of the existing programme. According to Tourism, Arts and Culture Minister Dr Sri Tiong King the government will consider setting new requirements to divide the programme into three categories to make it more flexible for foreigners to apply. Now, it's been said that the MM2H programme can help the local property market, especially for the high-end properties above $1 million, or at the very least, help prop up the rental market. But is that really the case? Today, we speak with Si Koklong, Executive Director, Metro Homes, a registered real estate agency that offers a one-stop service for overseas purchasers to apply for Malaysia My Second Home Programme. Good morning, Si.
1: Good morning. Thanks for inviting me
0: for this uh, session. Now, the government had announced a 90% drop in MM2H applicants earlier this year. What caused this severe drop?
1: Uh, We have to look back a little bit about data uh, before we answer the 90% drop. The first one, uh, the MM2H program come about is in 2002. But prior to that, we have a civil air program. So uh, in the 2002 until 2019, we have 48,471 approved applicants. Uh, the applicant is by cases, lah. means that uh, 48,000 families. On average, every year, 2017 to 2019 is about 4,000 successful cases. Then come to 2020, 2021. 2020, the, we, we all know that the change of government, the PN government suddenly put a stop into the MMTH program want to review the condition. And take them about a year to come up with a new program and move the whole program to uh, immigration, Jabatan Immigration Malaysia under MM2H unit. Then they come up with a very restrictive programme. So in between, there's about 5,396 cases filed have been returned to the, uh, to the applicant without any reason. Then with the restricted uh, requirement, we only noticed that uh, based on the Ministry of uh, Home Minister uh, in the Parliament, he mentioned that uh, we have 375 approved applicants for the 18 months. Uh, but if you are, this is individual now. So, basically we only have about 150 cases if we compare Apple to Apple. So, there's a big drop of it from 4,000 cases per year to only 150 cases for 18 months.
0: So, that actually sounds like it's more than a 90% drop with the new requirements that was implemented by the previous government.
1: Yep, more than 90% drop. So what's the
0: difference between the requirements in the program that occurred that caused this drop?
1: Okay, uh the first thing is that the income, the liquid asset you need to prove you have 1.5 million. Previously it's half a million, it's three times. Then the the offshore income from ten thousand to forty thousand. And you need to place an FD of one million, previously it's three hundred thousand. And worse is you need to stay in Malaysia for ninety days. Again, uh, I, want to, I want to stress on here, uh, this one is a multiple social entry visa and not a PR ship and not a citizenship program.
0: All right. And in terms of these three requirements, is it mandatory you must fulfill all three requirements to get the visa or is it flexible you can, uh, let's say you're eligible for two out of the three?
1: No, it's mandatory. Everything has to be fulfilled. Before you submit, all these requirements must be fulfilled. They will give you a condition approval and you come over and get your visa. So your FD must be placed in after you got your condition approved. So the
0: Minister of Tourism has come out to say that they are looking at proposals to improve the MM2H programme. I think it was mentioned in Parliament, there's going to come up with three categories, a platinum, a gold and a silver, which will require different amounts of, I suppose, criteria of savings or income or even X days to stay in the country, right? Could you give us your thoughts, right? What do you think this programme is all about or these improvements will be?
1: Okay, uh, this is my personal opinion. Huh? Nothing to do with anybody else. Huh? So I think uh, the government will not come up with a very creative thing. We must understand, currently we have uh, four programs in Malaysia. One is a PVIP, Premium Visa Program, which is done by the PN government, which is a 20-year program where you need to pay government 200000 uh, uh, a That one allows you to work. Then we have a MM2H. Uh, federal one, we have a Saba MM2H, we have a Saraw MM2H, we have four programs running. Currently, the, government, uh, the Ministry of uh, Tourism say that there will be three categories. I think the government won't change much. They'll put the PVIP as a platinum category. Then they'll put the existing program as a uh, gold category. They'll mostly relax the silver program to a more friendly program. Why I say so? Because uh, uh, most of our government agencies uh, won't admit they are wrong. Mm. If they go and change your program, just in short span of time, right, it'll slap on themselves, you no. Know? So I think they will just come up with an excuse. We got a civil program for you. Uh, that, that's about it. My, my, my personal take. Uh, I think that will be the condition. Why? Because until today, nobody knows what is these three categories about. That is my guess. Uh. Now, it's interesting. The more tight
0: minister is a Sorokan right? Um, so the Sarawak Malaysia My Second Hand Programme recently announced that their participants can now work in the state naturally uh, a select few of uh, jobs and education. So do you think that they will also adopt this particular job requirement, ability to work for the federal level?
1: Uh, I think there will be a certain extent, uh, but you must understand uh, Sarawak a little bit different. Sarawak is a, a state that... Uh, Working requirement, you must get a working permit, even a West Malaysian go over there. So they are short of worker. So they implement the program, allow them to work, is a good move. I hope they will bring this into West Malaysia as well.
0: Now, in terms of your experience, is the process, you know, from application to approval, right, easy, given the current processes that we have?
1: As a company that doing the application, I think it's very tough. Uh, for me personally, I look into it. Uh, when we talk about MMTH program, we always tell client that it takes 90 days to get it approved. Nature Fact, usually 90 days, you won't get it approved. For me, in a digital economy now, it should be within 30 days. So that is one part. And also, with the, all this requirement, people have a lot of choices. They'll think twice Should I apply Malaysia Misecondom for this kind of program, or should I go for Australia, New Zealand, or Canada program? So, which I get a PR-ship, I get a citizenship instead of just a social entry visa. So we are not just competing on this uh, MM2H, you know, we are competing with the other category because you raise the bar so high. Now, is there any
0: particular reason why it's taking our government 90 days to approve our MM2H program? Because I think to be fair to the government, you know, when it comes to, you know, passport renewals or, or IC, I mean, the government has been able to show itself that in terms of digital transformation, it can turn around certain application processes very quickly. But why with the MM2H program, is it taking such a long time?
1: Okay, uh, why they take such a long time is because uh, previously the MM2H program, there's one, one stop center, consists of three parties. One is a tourism officer, then you have a police officer and immigration officer. Because when you give a long-term visa to a, to a foreigner, you need to do a background check. So these are the reasons. But I think 19 days is still too long. Because all the information already provided to you with the letter of good conduct and all those stuff, you just need to verify. I think 30 days should be fair enough.
0: So, are you saying that today there's no one-stop centre?
1: Today, it moved back to... Uh, they are going to start back at one-stop centre, but haven't started yet because it moved to Japatan Immigration Malaysia uh, under mm 2 unit. Now, reverse back to MoTAC Tourism Ministry, but whether they sell up a one-stop centre or not, we don't know.
0: I think previously, like you said, the one-stop center did exist under the old Ministry of Tourism. Then, when this whole program got pulled out and put under the whole Ministry, there wasn't a one-stop center.
1: No, so they move into digital called EMM2H, where you fill up the form and every stuff down there.
0: Now, traditionally, in terms of the people coming into Malaysia as part of the mm 2 h program, which are the countries are we able to track?
1: Okay, we have to talk about two part of it. The earlier part means that in twenty two o two to two o ten. Twenty ten, uh, many are Japanese, British, you know. Come to twenty eleven onward, where the Chinese are, uh, the main Chinese economy improve, they capture a big part of it. Usually, we have about thirty percent of them come from main Chinese now. From the four thousand applicant, you can expect about thousand two of them.
0: Where do the Chinese when they come to Malaysia? Where do they settle down?
1: Oh, the Chinese are a little bit more adventure. Uh, they come here for several purposes. Many are uh, children education. They'll hang up in let's say charas. Velocity area, which is many Chinese, Kuchai Lama, you know. Some of them are in Monkia and they City, the more well-to-do one. But they send their children to international school here. So that we are not just making money from them, from the visa fees and property, but from the education, from the medical as well.
0: Right. Now, obviously, Malaysia is not the only country in the ASEAN region that has a Malaysia My Second Program, right? We are also competing with our fellow neighbours. Could you share with us, I mean, in terms of competing for this particular segment, who are we really um, winning or losing the battle against?
1: Okay, uh, come to this MM MM2H program, when we started, uh, we are in very advanced, probably for 10 years, 15 years, nobody doing it. Thailand do a program called Elite Club, which is very high end, they want to attract the Purely elite. But last year, Thailand launched a new program called Long-Term uh, Resident Visa, which attracted, in 4 months time, they attracted 3,000 applicants. It's maybe 10 times higher than us. You know, in four-month times, we take 18 months to reach uh, 300 plus, you know. So uh, their programs are more flexible. They cater for 2,000 people, you know. Besides Thailand, we, Cambodia also have a program called Cambodian Second Home Program, where really, even a name similar to Malaysia, my second home program. Then Indonesia also have a program to attract people to go to Bali for about 600,000 investment, ringgit. You, you will be getting a long-term visa. All these three countries are offering visa 5 to 10 years.
0: So I think, I think maybe for the MOTEC minister who's going to take back the MM2H program, he should really start benchmarking our program versus Thailand, Cambodia and, and Bali in Indonesia.
1: Yes, yes, definitely.
0: On the property show this morning, you see Kot Lung, Executive Director, Metro Homes. When we come back from the break, we ask the question whether the MM2H program really helps high-end property sales in Malaysia. This is BFM 89.9. Welcome back to The Property Show, where we have C. Kok Long, Executive Director, Metro Homes, a registered real estate agency that offers a one-stop service for overseas purchases to apply for Malaysia My Second Home Programme. Before the break, we look at the MM2H numbers and how we can improve it. See, give, give me a sense, right? Previously, you know, I would hear a lot of stories about our Malaysian property developers going overseas to sell Malaysian properties, and obviously part of the catch was the MM2H program. What's happened these last few years in terms of the success rate of our Malaysian developers and also the changes in the methods of selling they've adopted?
1: Okay, uh, first we must understand MM2H program do not require you to buy a property. So it's just a long-term visa to stay. But naturally, when you buy a property, you want to come and visit this country and use your property and visit your property. You know, that is uh, the reason why the developer... The developer, uh, the developer are confined by a few rules. First is a state uh, land rules. Whether the property is allowed to sell to foreigner or not. If the property is above 1 million, they are allowed to sell to foreigner. Most of them will want to sell to a foreigner because you will bring a diversity of uh, uh, the residents down there. It's like Moncara, where you have maybe 40 nation people staying there. You create the differences down there. So you bring up even the Sapak city, same thing. So, how do they do it? It's very, uh, very simple. Uh, they will go to engage a venue in a hotel. Then they will advertise in the paper, the traditional way. Then they will work with one or two agents down there to bring in the client. So during the two-day event, they try to sell as many units as possible in that period of time. After that, the local agent will follow up with the whatever leads generated. These are the traditional way of selling property overseas. Then, of course, uh, in the advertisement, they will put in the MM2H3 application process, those kind of stuff to lure in more, in, more people to come into it. Lah, okay?
0: But this method of selling uh, properties in a hotel, you know, in a foreign country like Hong Kong is, is very outdated, right? Have you seen any changes in the way our property developers are selling it due to the pandemic?
1: Okay, uh, it's not only outdated, it's also very costly. Every time you run an uh, event like that, you probably spend half a million to a million over maybe two weekends, you know. So it's very costly. So today with social media, uh, with people like TikTok, Douyin, you know, for the Chinese market, as well as uh, Facebook marketing, Instagram, you no. Know. So a lot of people recorded a lot of short video, even YouTube. So they use Influential, KOL, or some of their staff to record all this stuff and share and promote there. So in return, they will give the client, if you register with me, I give you, if once you come over here and buy my property, you will my property, I give you free accommodation, free etiquette ticket, if you buy successfully. So they can go direct to a client. Do not need to do this kind of event anymore. So frequent. Nah.
0: Now, see, earlier on you mentioned about this 1 million uh, threshold by hmm. certain states in terms of the property value. Now, is this 1 million consistent across the entire Malaysia or does different states have different criteria for MM2H? Uh,
1: different states have different criteria. Uh, like Selangor, I think the number is 1.5 million for strata property only, residential we are referring to. Uh, for Kuala Lumpur, is 1 million. Johor is 1 million. So different states have different criteria.
0: Now, earlier on, we also talked about the fact that the MM2H program are attracting people, you know, from Japan, uh, from UK. And of course, now we seem to have a new group of people from China, Taiwan and, and Hong Kong, right? So in terms of their preference, you know, do, when they come over here, do they buy properties or do they prefer to rent?
1: Okay, Japanese prefer to rent. Uh, that's why you see a lot of Japanese in Mont Kiara area. They basically give a good renter to the owner. They rent at a good price, you know. Uh, whereas the British are usually want to stay away from the busy street, they probably rent some bungalow or outskirts. Whereas the main Chinese, they have a different appetite. They still bring their old way of living in China, where they live in a place that they're walking distance to a mall or shopping area. So all the integrated development are good for them. But of course, depend on the surrounding. You must have a Chinese community like WebMarket to support it.
0: So you talk about China, right? So it's very interesting because we've also noticed a trend where China developers have come to Malaysia to build projects, you know, like Forest City, you know, Agile to name a few. I mean, how successful have they been actually in terms of selling properties, whether it's back to China or Hong Kong m and or even our locals here in Malaysia?
1: Uh, they don't able to attract that many of local Malaysian buying. Okay? Most of the buyers are mainly Chinese, their own customer because they are very big in their own country. Uh, they probably run into multiple provinces of their project. You know? So uh, they attracted the, because uh, for them, it's just like us lah. when we go to London, we see the name of Sandabi. We associate to it, we will buy a property from sandabi Same them. same go to them. They will buy a country garden, RNF, a job property, you know, from China because they know that there are quality down there. Whereas for us uh Malaysian very skeptical, it's still in the initial stage, we're still thinking that China products are inferior, some of us thinking might not be that, but also could be the way of them design the house. You go to a China developer showroom, you will feel different. We like the clean, uh, simple kind of design, whereas they, like, they put in a very colourful, very uh, US-based kind of de- uh, showroom, you know, which not our favour.
0: But I suppose it also doesn't help the fact that, you know, today I think if you talk to the man on the street and you mentioned Forest City, there's these images of a very big development but very low occupancy rate. So also, I guess it doesn't build confidence among the locals to even want to buy a Chinese project.
1: Yes, I think they make a mistake. They, the uh, the main Chinese developer makes certain mistake, of course, along the way. Uh, they make a mistake. They think that uh Malaysia is like Chinese, China, where you build a development, the people will go there. But bear in mind, we only have thirty million population, very small population, unlike China. Even the infrastructure you reach there, right? It might take some time for people to go there. So if you build a new area, totally everything new. Where is the population come from? Mm-hmm. Unless you provide MM2H to them, like the Johor government, to push to bring in the people to stay there, live there, then you start building the city from there.
0: I suppose the other factor to consider is the fact that if you look at the price point of, of these uh, Chinese developers, you know, whether it's Forest City or Agile, I mean it, it does go about thousand four to thousand six per square feet if we look at just a simple example of like Agile, and then that's really price out of range for a lot of you know, M40 or even T20 Malaysians?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, they are looking at a different market. They thought that the Malaysian market is uh, like China, you know, where the Shenzhen, Beijing, Guangzhou, Shanghai, you know, this major city. So they can price it that way. But the, they didn't do enough study into that. Uh, come back to Joe's side, probably they think that the market is from Singapore. But Singaporeans have been uh, burned for a couple of times over the last maybe 40 years. In the 90s, they come to Malaysia because of currency, they lost some money, their new group of people come in again, you know. So, over the years, they learned their lesson.
0: Yeah, and I think also within the context, if today you are a T2 customer profile and you can afford to buy a property, you know, in the range of 1,004 to 1,006 per square feet, I mean, there is a lot of choices for you out there because our country basically is suffering from a severe high-end property overhang.
1: Yes, we are overhang, uh, not only, uh, because usually we talk about overhang, we refer to the NAPIC report, that developer unsold unit. Uh, But in actual fact, there is oversupply. A lot lot of T20 people own more than one houses and there's houses that vacant. If you take into account of those kind of vacancy, right, in the whole industry are oversupply now. Right, see,
0: I mean, I mean, you've obviously uh, been in the industry for a long time, you know, as the executive director of Metro Homes. Based on your experience and what you see, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Or are we facing a really severe structural issue?
1: We are facing a... Uh, uh, very serious issue about this oversupply. Of course, uh, MM2H bringing foreign buyers in, let them stay here, is one of the options that we should adopt. Lah. So, from there, I want to uh, say that uh, if the Ministry of uh, Tourism can amend the rules, you know, instead of putting the money in FD, straight away allow them to buy property, maybe 1 million and above. So, you buy 1 million property or you put 500,000. The current ruling is uh, $1 million. You put half a million or buy $1 million property. So you give them a choice. So the moment the people committed in the property, they'll be long-term with us. So you don't need to worry too much about that visa They will cancel, withdraw off or whatever.
0: Right. Thank you very much for your time. On The Property Show was C. Kotlong, Executive Director, Metro Homes. This is BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.